0: Against this word, I've, um, I've, I've seen with a new vision the hunger people have and the way people try to get out of reality, the way they try to escape from it. There is a prevailing lie among mankind, and that is that we can be our own God, that we can self-determine our own destiny, that we can somehow work out what, instead of what God has planned for us, we can work out with our own hands. I, was, uh, I have a really good friend on campus, he lives right across the hall, and we were talking one night, because um, college students, we, um, like Brad said earlier, we, uh, we think we know everything, and so we were trying to solve all the world's problems, just sitting there, chatting and talking, talking about, he's from Europe, so we were talking about different governments and politics and different things, and we got to the point in the conversation where I was like, man, this, this world, it seems like there isn't much hope. And I looked at Milan, and I said, Milan, I said, you know, I said, ever since that first sin, since God cursed the earth, I think there was only one answer for us all, for all mankind. And it opened up an entire new conversation. But he said to me, he says, now exactly what was that first sin? Was it not just curiosity? Was it not just man wanting to figure out what the apple really was? And um, at that moment, it was like, I don't know, like God almost took over. And um, I told Milan, I said, it wasn't just that. You know, sure, he might have been curious. Our human nature, we all tend to have to satisfy our own curiosities in life, but it was more than that. The serpent told Adam and Eve, you know, he tried to beguile them, the Bible says, that they could somehow control the power of knowledge of good and evil that somehow that they could be as gods. And that is why God did not want them to eat of the apple. And ever since the fall, man, we have been, we have been suffering with this prevailing lie. But I am so thankful that there is a truth to repudiate that lie. And um, as this is the biggest lie that man tries to bring forth in his attempt to escape from reality and his attempt to deal with what is inevitable, what God has planned for each and every one of us, and his attempt to find his own salvation, in his attempt to find his own answers in life, but I'm here to tell you that there is only one answer in life, and Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. This wasn't the only view that I came across in my last two semesters. I was in anthropology class today reviewing for the last minute for my final, and I came across a quote, and this is the anthropologist's view of religion. A religion is a system of symbols which acts to establish powerful, pervasive, and long-lasting moods and motivations in men by formulating conceptions of a general order of existence and clothing these conceptions with such an aura of factuality that the moods and motivations seem uniquely realistic. To put that, it took me a few times to read that, but to put simply what they were trying to say is that religion is a man-made thing that we put our own little bits of factuality around it with our, tied together with our emotions so it seems realistic to us as individuals. I was studying for my class and I was like, my friends, they're reading this. It's important that I be a witness. It's important that we be a light that's set up on a hill that cannot be hidden because no matter where you're at in your academic field, your career, wherever you are in life, the world, the devil, he knows his time is short and he's trying to fill our minds with lies that is contrary to this word. I'm thankful that I have something a little bit beyond religion, that it is a reality, that my Jesus, he is real. It's not just something with a bit of factuality tied to it, but it's something that he put inside of me. I feel him when I wake up in the morning and I feel him when I go to bed at night. When I speak his name, he is there with me. I'm here to tell you I'm thankful that my Jesus, that he is real. I was speaking with a Persian friend of mine a few months ago. And we were talking to each other about religion. And he told me that I need not try to convert him. And he need not try to convert me. He said we both have our own faiths and in the end we'll find our own way to God. This is another lie that the world tries to sell us, that the devil tries to sell us. But like I said, there is only one way. Because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. There is a way that seemeth right to man, but the end thereof is death. I was in my psychology class, and yet another lie came forward, and the psychologist, he told me, you always have choices. And I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit that I have in me, that when I sit in these classes, it can check me. But I tell you what, there's been times where it hasn't checked me. They had to check me a couple days later because I wasn't tuned in. I wasn't where I needed to be. It's important that we maintain a constant walk with God. It's important that we walk in the spirit and not after this flesh. Because if not, these little lies, these little philosophies in life, they take hold, they take root, and they start to affect our behavior, and we end up questioning our own very core beliefs. It's important that we maintain in this word. He said that you have always have choices, and the spirit Struck me and it said, One day every knee is going to have the bow and every tongue is going to have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We will not always have a choice. There's going to come a time where man is going to have to reconcile his sin with the fact that Jesus died for it. And there's going to have to come a time where we realize that Jesus is Lord whether we want to or not. I've tried to show you several different lies that the world tries to bring forward to us. But the main lie, like I said, is that somehow we can be our own gods, the own lords of our destiny. I look at life and I'm I'm on my campus and I've never seen, I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian school. I've never seen the hunger in people's eyes like I have now. I've sat across from friends and we've joked around, but somehow the conversation always ends up getting serious. And it always comes back to one thing, and that's my faith. I'm thankful that we're a light that's set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. I I see my friends, and I can hang out with them many times, but sometimes i got to say, I cannot go with you to do those things. Because there is another way they try to escape from reality, and that is with their vices. Whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol, whether it be different types of misbehavior, whatever it may be. For some, it's money. My roommate last semester, he had to go back to India because his father passed away. He came back this semester. But when he came back, he told me his family's very wealthy. And he said his father's biggest regret was that he did not get to spend enough time with his family. In a few years, he was going to take some time off almost retire so he could enjoy the wealth that he had accumulated and he could finally sit down and enjoy for time with his family. Six months before my friend left from, from, uh, to go back to India, his father was diagnosed with cancer and six months later he was dead. My friend Muhammad, he told me this and I said, Muhammad, remember that. He did not get to enjoy what he spent his whole life working for. We as individuals, we try to escape from reality with our vices. My friend Mohammed, his family thought that they could escape from reality with the pleasures of money. But I am thankful today that I have already had my reality check. I don't have to escape from reality because I know what reality is. I am thankful that God has given me his truth. I am thankful that despite the prevailing lie that is taking hold once again of much of our current generation, that I know who my Jesus is. I know it not only because I have read it in his word, but because it is what I feel in my spirit. I am thankful for the revelation that has been handed down to us, that same revelation that Christ talked about in Matthew chapter 16. He saith unto them, but whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered him, thou art Christ." the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon, Virginia, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee but my Spirit, but the, my Father which hath sent me. You know, I've not only have I read it in His Word, but it's what I feel in my spirit, that my Jesus is my Messiah, that He's my Redeemer, He's my Savior. He died on the cross so He could wash away all my sins. John said like this, Now behold the Lamb of God which hath taken away the sins of the whole world. That's my reality. And I don't want to escape it. I don't want to get away from it. I want to get as close to him as I possibly can. He said, if you draw nigh unto me, I will draw nigh unto you. The world might try to tell us, just as my friend Deepak did the other day at school. He's very involved in campus ministry at school, but it's not a campus ministry that's in the truth. He told me, he tried to convince me, because he said that I was not worshiping in spirit and in truth. He tried to convince me that my Jesus is just a second person in the Trinity. This is another lie the world has brought before us. And it's probably one of the most self-destructive lies that Christianity has ever faced. But reality is that Isaiah prophesied the Messiah like this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, and get this, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Paul goes on to say in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in the hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. And there's not two fathers like the Trinitarians might say, but there is one Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. I'm thankful for his truth. I'm thankful for the reality that my Jesus has given me, that I can take comfort and peace in it, knowing that I know who my Messiah is. I had a teacher suggest another lie that the Bible was just a book, that it was imperfect and nothing more than a compilation. However, the reality is that the word of God is quick, it's powerful, is sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing and sunder of soul and spirit, and even to the joints and marrow. And I'd like to tell you, my professors, they can suggest that the Word of God is just a compilation of books. It holds no spiritual meaning to them. But someday they will have to recognize that heaven and earth shall pass away, but the Word of our Lord shall stand forever. I'm thankful for the reality God has given me. Despite the opposing views that I have faced at college, never in my life have I been more certain of who I am and what we believe as apostolic Pentecostals. John so adequately pinned the words, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And that's who we are. Thank you, Lord. The reality is, is that there is no greater joy than waking up in the morning when one can say to oneself, I love my Jesus a little bit more than I did yesterday. One can only say this because his graces, God's graces, mercies, and blessings, they're new every day. The reality is, is that we as apostolics should be careful in our attempts to relate to this world, to fit in. Don't make it me wrong, we must adopt methods that give us the best advantage to reach our world. However, the reality is this, is that we should be proud to say that we are apostolic in doctrine and that we are Pentecostal in experience. We continue in the Apostles' Doctrine as it was taught and led by Christ our Lord. And we are recipients of the same experience and salvation that was poured out on mankind on the day of Pentecost. I am thankful to know that Jesus is God in flesh, that he is my Messiah, my Messiah, my Redeemer, my Savior, in whom I assuredly place my trust, and I can tell you today that it's never failed me. There is no other name I know. This is my hope, my joy, and my peace And my satisfaction, the reality is that we can find all good things in him. And when we cannot adequately describe this with our own words, the spirit intercedeth for us and we begin to speak in other tongues. This is not the ways of men, but it is the ways of God. The reality is that we ought to be proud of this. Not a pride that brings glory to oneself, but a pride in our Lord, a blessed assurance that brings glory to our Lord. I told you about this prevailing lie, that man can be his own God, that he can somehow self-determine his future, that we can determine our self-value. The reality is that we are not much of anything left to our own vices. We are not much of anything left to our own efforts. But today, through his graces and his mercies, we can be declared as the sons of God, a light set up on a hill that cannot be hidden. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. I'm thankful that he was wounded for our transgressions, that he was bruised for our iniquities, that the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I'm thankful for that act on Calvary. I'm thankful for him looking down upon me and saying, I know you're not perfect, but I want you anyway. Thank you, Lord. That is my reality. We live in an American culture. We live in a world where people want to grasp hold of the American dream. We live in a capitalistic culture which I am all for but it's so often when we are not focused on our God we try to reach for all the material things we can grasp because it is the only thing in man's mind oftentimes that can give him meaning and pleasure in life we live in a culture where as Americans we say I want to be a self-made man I want to be my own man I want to work out my own destiny and work out my own life but the Bible talks about the man that built his house on the sand. And it talks about the man that built his house on the rock. This word. I'm here to tell you, if we build our lives on the American dream, it will surely fail us. But if we build our lives on the God and Jesus that we serve and know, it will last us for an eternity. In a world and a culture that is trying to escape from reality, how does one, and here's my title, escape to reality? There are there are absolutes and there is truth and God hath just as he promised provide a way to escape. Paul said it like this and here's my text. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 2 through 4 says, "Therefore we ought to give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip; for if the word spoken by the angels was steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation?" which at the first begun to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with divers miracles and the gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his will here it talks about us how can we escape the lies of this world the prevailing lie that we can be our own God how can we escape the mistruths that this world is plagued with this is how we shall escape Paul said, how can we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? I spoke about that blessed assurance that brings not glory to oneself, but a pride to our Lord. I like the song that says, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. What a foretaste of glory divine. This is my story. This is my song praising my Savior all the day long. I love that song. And the only way we can get the world to realize how they can escape to reality, not escape from it, but escape to it, how they can find truth and meaning and purpose in their lives is if we realize the blessed assurance that we have and we put a smile on our face and we go around every day singing, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. I know what it's like who live a life that is not dealing with reality in the way that it should. I know what it's like to have sin in my life, and I know what it's like to say, how do I escape? I know what I need to do, but how do I get there? And this goes beyond salvation. There are lies that entertain us as saints that says, I can hold on to these things in life and still serve my God. Sometimes we have things in our lives that we are just not willing to let go of. Not willing to own up and face to the music. Whether it be sins or little weights or whatever the case may be, our own personal vices. I know what it's like to feel boxed in in life and to ask myself, how shall I escape? I know what it's like to lay my head on my pillow at night and say, if God came tonight, I don't know if I would make it, but I can tell you this. I know what it's like to confess my sins. I know what it's like to lay my head on my pillow at night and say, I have joy. I have that blessed assurance that Jesus is mine. I have taken advantage of his grace and his salvation that has provided me that blood which washeth away all sins. And wasn't that a beautiful song Sunday night? Those plunged beneath the blood lose all their guilty stains. That is my reality. That is the truth that I have bought and I will not sell. If we are ever to escape to the state where there is nothing between us and God, the state that he wishes us to be in, and we find that joy and peace and satisfaction that only he can provide, we must be real with him. In John chapter 4, there was a Samaritan woman at the well, and the Lord came unto her, And he said, give me the drink. And the woman said, she asked him, she says, I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. Why would you ask of me something to drink? Do you not have nothing to draw with it yourself? And the Lord said, if you knew but who I was you would realize that I should not be asking you for something to drink, but you should be asking for the everlasting water that only I can provide. And he told her to go fetch her husband, that she might partake of this everlasting water. And she had to own up. She had to say, I have no husband. And Jesus said, thou sayest well. For you have had five husbands, and the one that you are with now is not of your own. And she said, I perceive you to be a prophet. And uh, Jesus said, and she asked him, she says, why is it that you teach us to worship in Jerusalem when our fathers worshiped here in this mount? And Jesus said this, the hour has come, and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in the spirit and truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. For God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And she says, the Messiah will come to tell us all these things. And she, uh, and, uh, Jesus said, of whom you speak, I am he. Jesus was her Messiah. and She went into town and she said, come see this man who must be the Christ, who must be the Messiah, for he hath told me all the things that I have done. If we are to reach that state where we escape to reality, and there is nothing between us and our God, where we can walk after the Spirit every day, and we can knock the flesh, and we can say, I walk with him, and I talk with him, and he tells me that I am his own. If we want to reach that state, we have to own up to all the little things in our lives that we are so reluctant to let go of, just as this woman did. Because that was what the power of the Messiah was. Perhaps that is why the Pharisees and the Sadducees hated him so much. Because he revealed the sin within inside of them. And it's not always an easy thing. Sometimes it's hard to look inside our own lives And see the ugliness, the bitterness, the corruption, the the carnality that is in there. And to say, my God, my Jesus, you still love me. You were still willing to shed your blood for me. I'm here to tell you today he's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. I'm here to tell you that my God's mercy, it endureth forever. And I am so thankful for that reality. I don't want to escape from reality. I want to escape to reality. God has hope for us, or else he would not have come as the Messiah. He has big plans for each and every one of us. He wants us to be a light that's set up on a hill that cannot be hidden, that the world around might see his glory and whom he really is, not the lies that Hollywood tries to sell or anything, but they see who our Jesus, our Savior, really is. His plans for us are often bigger than we know. I say this not out of boastfulness, but almost out of a sense of repentance. But I told you my year out here at IUPY, I've seen more hunger than I have seen in my entire life or in a, in a new light. I've done more witnessing than this year, than I have in my entire life. The opportunity for us to share his word to people of all nations, callers, and creeds, no matter where they're at, It's great. You know, the harvest is white, but the laborers are few. God has big plans for us. God had big plans for David. David was a man after God's own heart. And even though David accomplished a lot of those plans, his plans were halted short. He never really got to see the temple of God built. He he, He had family troubles that lasted generations. He had to still deal with the consequences of his sin. When Nathan the prophet came to David to expose his sin with Bathsheba, he said, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul, and I gave thee thy master's house, and thy master's wives into thy bosom, and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that hadn't been too little, I would have given you moreover such and such things. Here was a man after God's own heart, and he no doubt broke God's heart when he sinned. Because God said, I gave you all these things, and especially as us as Americans today, God has blessed us richly, not just with material things, but with this truth that we can come into a church like this and be fed his word. We are so blessed. And I know what it's like to feel those blessings and still retain the things in my life that I should not retain. But the Lord said through the prophet Nathan, if it would have been too little, as if it would not have been enough for us, his salvation, he would have given us moreover such and such things. This message tonight is so that we can encourage ourselves in the Lord and realize that he does have big plans for us. That there is an escape to reality and that we can show the rest of the world around us that truth. But it is also a call to repentance. To get the things that are in our lives between us and God, that we get them out of the way. Because there comes a point in our lives where we can only get so close to him if we don't let go of whatever it is that keeps us from being as close to him as we should be. After David, after Nathan exposed the sin, he wrote, he wrote one of his most compelling psalms, the psalm of repentance in Psalms 51. He said, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness and according unto thy multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He goes on down, verse chapter 5, and says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth, the Lord us to face reality. In the inward parts and in the hidden part, the hidden part of our lives, he desires truth, that thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with high sop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Sometimes it take to think, get things out of our lives, it takes us to be broken a little bit. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. Thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of righteousness. The only way we can be fully effective witnesses is as if we, as Paul did, die daily. As every day that we get the things that hinder our walks with God, we get it out of our lives, whether it takes prayer, whether it takes fasting. Hebrews 12 and one says, how great a cloud of witnesses is about us. Let us lay aside every weight that doth so easily beset us. It might always not be necessarily sin. However, keep this in mind. A man who knoweth it doeth good, and doeth it not to him it is sin. So more often times for me it has been sin. And the Bible says let us lay aside every weight that doth so easily beset us. And let us, next scripture it says, run the race with patience. We have to let aside all our weights. He gave us a promise today, tonight, and throughout all eternity that if we draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto us. He wants a spotless bride, he said, that we should be as lambs without blemish. Now that doesn't mean that we have to be perfect. That doesn't mean that we on our own selves have to merit his grace. But it says in the Bible to lead not unto our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. He provides that grace. He provides that blood with which every day washes away all our sins. And today, I to asked you guys, "How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation?" But well, I want you to look at your lost family. I want you to look at your lost friends. Those people that you talk to every day that don't know this truth. The, those people who you can see the hunger in their eyes, whether you sit across from the table whether they're your coworker, your fellow students, whatever it may be, and if that they don't escape to reality, and if they don't escape from the lies of this world and of the devil, because he knows his time is short, they don't escape to reality that they're lost. I want to ask you today, in closing, how shall they escape if we neglect to tell them? Thank you.